Here's a newsflash. When I was a high schooler, I wanted people to like me. Duh, right? Uh, everyone at every age wants to be liked, but when you're in high school, it's especially important. I don't know, maybe because in high school you're just beginning to have your adult personality emerge, and so you're wondering, uh, is who I am good enough? Uh, is who I am good enough to be liked? Am I good enough to even be loved? Well, I wanted that in high school. I mean, I wanted to be liked by my family, sure, but I especially wanted to be liked by my peers. And just like I had an idea of what it would take to be liked by my peers, I also had an idea of what I needed to do in order to be liked by God. Yeah, yeah, I wanted God to like me too. Uh, I thought I knew what God wanted. God wanted good behavior. And if I wanted God to like me, if I wanted him to welcome me into heaven, then what I needed to have was good deeds, and I needed to avoid bad deeds. And so I tried to be good enough, but I couldn't do it. I knew I was not good enough for God, to please God. I mean, I knew I had anger and selfishness and bitterness all tangled up inside. I wanted God to like me, but I knew I wasn't good enough. But then through a strange set of circumstances, I got alone with God and a Bible. And I read these words from Ephesians chapter 2, where God says this, because of my great love for you, because of my mercy toward you, I can make you alive in Jesus even while you're still dead in sin. For it is by my grace you are saved through faith. My grace doesn't depend on your performance. It is my gift to you, a gift that you cannot work for, and so you certainly cannot boast about earning. This is how the Bible came to me. Uh, right off the page. God's word came to me like this personal letter in personal pronouns as a personal message from God to me. And Jesus met me through these words. In nanoseconds, the living Jesus revealed his infinite, unconditional love for me. Jesus showed me the cross and how when he died on the cross, he had me personally in mind. Not just me, but including me. Jesus personalized the meaning of these words in Ephesians. He showed me that I could never earn God's love. And that is why he came. Jesus loved me so much that he came to die on the cross so that I could receive God's unconditional love as a gift that I could never earn. So, I did, right there. In a few simple words, I just asked God to forgive me, and I received the gift of God's love through simple faith in Jesus. And even though I was just in high school, the experience changed me as a person, made me a new person. Somehow, the simple act of receiving God's love changed me from a high schooler who was obsessed with getting other people to like me and changed me into a high schooler who was eager to affirm other people, serve other people, like other people. 
It was like my love tank was filled. And so suddenly I could love people out of the overflow of the love I was experiencing from God. This was the first day I experienced the firsthand truth that the Bible is not just history. I discovered that the Bible is God's personal message to people like me, where I understood that God was inviting me through the Bible to become part of his story, to become one more person in the long line who is transformed by the personal love of God in Jesus. And this is true about every part of the Bible. In every part, on every page, God is calling me into a relationship with him. He's calling me to become part of his story right now. And to demonstrate this truth, we have, over the past few weeks, we've looked at major sections of the Bible, the patriarchs, the law, the kings, the psalms, the prophets, the gospels, the acts. And today we study the letters, the epistles, particularly the letters of Paul, like the letter that uh, God used uh, in my life as a high schooler, the letter to the Ephesians. And today you're going to hear God calling you into his story through the living words of this amazing man named the Apostle Paul, who grew up as a very religious Hebrew named Saul. Not only was he zealous for Judaism, but Saul was also zealously against this heretical teaching about this criminal named Jesus. Uh, Saul was so zealous that he signed up to hunt down Jesus' followers so he could torture them, so he could jail them and kill them if they would not recant. Saul was charging down this road of anger until one afternoon when he was stopped in his tracks. Jesus appeared to Saul in a blinding light. Jesus spoke to Saul, and Jesus called Saul to stop fighting him, and start becoming part of his story, which changed everything. In one transformative moment, this Hebrew scholar known as Saul became the Jesus-preaching, Gentile-reaching missionary known as Paul, who suddenly had his love tank filled and was able to love people out of the overflow of love that he received from Jesus, which turned Paul's persecution tour into a preaching tour. And everywhere he went, people came to Jesus. And then Paul gathered those people into groups called the church. And uh, as much as Paul would have liked to stay and train these new followers of Jesus, especially the pastor of this church, Paul had to keep moving. And so Paul did his teaching by extension. He wrote letters and sent them back to the Christ followers in his wake. So we have in our Bibles the letters of Paul. 
We have Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. What do all those first letters uh, of Paul have in common? They're all two groups. They're all two churches. But we also have the rest of the letters of Paul that come in your Bible, 1st uh, and 2nd Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. What do they have in common? They're all letters to individuals, particularly pastors and leaders in those churches. These letters are all preserved in the Bible as the words of God himself which I experienced for the first time in high school when God turned Paul's letters uh, to Ephesus into God's personal letter to me. And to this day, God continues to use Paul's letters to invite me to become part of his story. But how? How does that happen? Well, thankfully, the Apostle Paul answers the question, in a letter that he wrote to a young pastor named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning at verse 16, Paul says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So Paul begins by saying that all scripture is God-breathed. And of course, when Paul refers to Scripture here, he primarily has in mind what we would call the Old Testament. But by Scripture, does Paul also have in mind his letters that he was writing to churches and individuals? I say yes. And I could show you how Paul understood that his letters were an authoritative word from God. But really, it's an irrelevant question. Uh, whether or not Paul fully understood at the time that he was writing Scripture is irrelevant because they are Scripture. Uh, Paul's letters are Scripture, and God has been using them as Scripture for over 2,000 years. But there is a key word here, and that is the word useful. Uh, Paul says, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful. Uh, and then Paul summarizes this how, how does God uh, welcome me into his story by using four words, teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. And in these four words, I have a description of how God wants to use his word to make me part of his story. And I'm so thankful that over 600 of us are, are now reading it and living it. We're, we're not only reading the, the Bible in, in this passage through, uh, through a year of reading uh, the Bible, but we're also seeking to use it. Let God use it in our lives. So let's study these four words. But let's not study these four words individually, uh, because in the original language, it appears that Paul is, intends us to understand these as two groups of two. Uh, that's because the first set of words, teaching and rebuking, are two words related to belief. And then the second two words, uh, correcting and training, are two words related to behavior. So the first word in the belief group is teaching. Every time I open the Bible, God desires to teach me, which, which refers to the fact that it, God uses his word as God-breathed truth about himself, 
about me and about his perfect will for my life. In a world full of lies, ambiguities, you know, uncertainties, there's one thing that we can hold on to as truth. God says you must believe the truth. And I started today by telling you how back in high school, God used the second chapter of Ephesians to teach me. God says, for it is by my grace you are saved through faith. My grace doesn't depend on your performance. It's my gift to you, a gift that you can't work for, so you certainly can't boast about earning it. And through these words, God was teaching me about what to believe about himself, about me, and about his will for my life. Did I, what did God teach me? He taught me that I cannot save myself through good works, and that God saves me through my faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, and that God's love comes to me as a gift, and that I, not, I need to receive this gift. And when I do, I begin a wonderful friendship with God. This is what God teaches. And, you know, incidentally, this is probably the most important truth God teaches through the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul teaches many truths of God, but probably the most important truth that Paul reveals is that God's love comes to me not through my good behavior, but through faith in Jesus. That's the most important truth there is. And if you have never really internalized and personalized this truth, if you have never received this gift of God's love through Jesus, then you must do that today. Before you leave this room, you must receive that gift. But the second word that uh, is in this belief group, the first is teaching. The second one is rebuking. Where rebuking refers to God breathed conviction upon my unbelief of the truth. Now, the English word rebuking probably isn't a great translation of the uh, Greek word that uh, Paul is using here, because I think when we think of the word rebuking, we think of you know, some kind of like judgmentalism. But that's not what's behind this word. It's a, it, Paul uses the word allegmas, and it doesn't mean to scold. It means more like a reminder I mean, do you know how God most often rebukes me uh, through his word? God rebukes me by reminding me how much he loves me. Can I be honest? I still fall back into that old school way of thinking about God. I fall back into that old thought that uh, if I want God to like me, if I want God to welcome me into heaven, then uh, I need to perform. I need to get my performance down. I need to have some good behavior. I need to have some good deeds. I need to get my resume for God all set up. And in the process, I get down on myself. I get beaten up by guilt. And I transfer this insecurity into my relationship with God. And I feel like God rejects me. And I want to pull back from my, my friendship with God. But when I open up his word... God uses his word to convict me, meaning he reminds me of the truth and rebukes me of my unbelief in the truth. God says, don't believe the lies. Here's the truth. I love you. I completely forgive you. I am pleased with you. Because of Jesus, I can't adore you any more than I do right now. 
with all your faults and all your failures. You're my child. I love you. I'm crazy about you. This is what Paul means by elegmas. And this is a rebuking that I can take all day long. Now, of course, sometimes uh, the reminder is God saying, stop worrying about everything. Believe the truth that I'm in control and that I love you. Sometimes the rebuke is, uh, stop believing the lie that more money and stuff is going to make you happy and give you contentment. Come back to the truth that contentment is found in a relationship with me first and foremost. Which leads to the next way God uses scripture. The first word in the behavior group uh, is the word correcting. Where correcting refers to God-breathed awareness of where my life is out of line with God's perfect will for me. Teaching, rebuking, two Greek words having to do with how I think. Uh, correcting, training, two words having to do with how I act. And the first Greek word in this behavior group is correcting, and the Greek word is orthos, where we get English words like orthopedic or orthodontist. And sure enough, orthos means to straighten out what is bent or to repair what is broken. And it's a great description, isn't it, of uh, what God wants to do as I read scripture. God brings me into his personal repair shop. Now, picture the most valuable car that you can think of. Maybe it's a Rolls Royce. Maybe it's a, a Tesla. Maybe it's a, a Lamborghini. Either way, uh, just picture that car now going top speed into an oak tree, big oak tree. Uh, that's me. I am incredibly valuable to God, but I am damaged. You are too. Through the fall in the Garden of Eden, we totaled ourselves against the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And because of sin, our tongues are bent on lying and gossip. Our minds are bent on self-centeredness. Our hearts are bent on bitterness and envy and hatred. But like an expert craftsman, God uses his word to show me those areas where he wants to straighten what is bent. He wants to uh, bang out the dents. He wants to straighten the alignments, and he wants to replace missing parts in my life. And of course, God doesn't do everything all at once. You know, that's why we, we need to be in his word every day over time because God doesn't do this correcting all at once. I mean, uh, by the way, you know, if you have an orthodontist that promises to straighten your teeth in one visit, don't go, don't go. Uh, but if I allow God to straighten me over time by exposing myself over and over to his word, God uses it to give me an awareness of what needs to be straightened out. Then we have another word. The second word in the behavior group is the word training. Every time I read scripture, God uses it to train me, where training refers to God-breathing power, God-breathing power, which makes me more like Jesus. You know, the Greek word for training is pedia, and you may have guessed it. That's where we get English words like uh, pediatric or uh, pedagogue, and the, the word pedia means to train up, to raise up a child. Maybe you can see how training perfectly complements the other behavior word, correcting. Correcting is God repairing uh, the past in my life. 
And training is God setting me up for a better future, setting me up and growing me up into a better future. I am much more than a Tesla to God that he's repairing. Uh, I am God's love child. I am uh, the one he is training to be more like him. So I carry the family traits of Jesus. Scripture is God breathed, which means that, that God uses the Bible to breathe into me power to grow and to change. The Bible is not just God's mouthpiece telling me how I ought to be different. No, the Bible is God's power that actually makes me different. Keeping in mind that the transformation is not the result of me trying harder to please God. The transformation is the result of a relationship with this father who affirms me as his loved child and empowers me through his spirit so that I can grow more and more like Jesus in grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. I want to thank you for uh, praying for me over the past uh, couple of weeks when I was in uh, uh, the beautiful nation of uh, Turkey, uh, where I had a chance to meet some uh, really heroic pastors uh, who minister in the part of the world that we would call Central Asia. I met these pastors who uh, minister in their native countries uh, with names like Uzbekistan and Turkmenistan and uh, Tajikistan. And uh, these pa pastors help uh, people live like Jesus in Islamic culture where they're not appreciated uh, and under governments that actively seek to persecute them and attack them. Uh, in these countries, people who follow Jesus get fired from their jobs. Uh, they get thrown into prison and they come under a uh, real economic attack as well. And p pastors get it the worst. Uh, I heard one pastor talk about his experience. Uh, his name is Yuri, and uh, he talked about being mistreated, being thrown in jail, and being so economically uh, suppressed that he couldn't give his children any of the good things that a father wants to give his kids. And Pastor Yuri says that, you know, when this persecution comes against him personally, it doesn't phase him at all. But when Yuri sees his children suffer, it gets him so discouraged that he wants to quit. Yuri says, I'm like any other dad. I want my 10-year-old and my 12-year-old to have nice things and to be safe. And when I see my kids going without clothes or food, when I see my kids being left out or picked on or bullied in the schoolyard because of their following Jesus, it makes me so sad because I can see how my choice to serve Jesus leaves me with no inheritance to give my kids. I have nothing of value in this world to give my children. But Yuri didn't know what his kids were doing after school. After school, Yuri's kids were reaching out to a Muslim boy in their neighborhood who never came out to play. In uh, our American context, this boy uh, would have been considered on the special needs uh, spectrum, but in his culture, 
this boy was considered unclean and cursed by God. And that was one of the reasons why he never came out to play. But day after day, Yuri's kids would come and knock on this boy's door and invite him to come out and play. And one day, uh, the, the boy came uh, to the door and they invited him to roller skate. And he said, I don't know how to roller skate. And Yuri's kids said, we know. Come out. We'll show you. And they, and they did. And the boy's Muslim mother watched from her window as Yuri's kids taught her son how to roller skate. And she saw something that she never saw before. She saw her son giggle and laugh and interact with friends. And she saw Yuri's kids. And she saw how the other youth in the neighborhood actually made fun of Yuri's kids for spending time with her son. And she saw how Yuri's kids just brushed off that uh, peer pressure and they just kept on coming and knocking and calling her son out day after day. And after some time, uh, this mother went to Pastor Yuri to talk to him about his kids. And with tears in her eyes, this Muslim woman said, Pastor Yuri, I am amazed by your children. I've never seen such love in kids before. I know that when I watch your children love my son, that I am watching Jesus, and I want to follow Jesus like your kids do. And as this mother and this son started attending Yuri's church, Yuri realized that he was giving something to his kids of infinite value. Yuri reached, realized that he was giving them an inheritance that was much more precious than any material thing. And at this point in the story, Pastor Yuri began to weep with joy as he described the realization that his kids had a treasure. And that treasure was a relationship with Jesus that made them fearless in the face of peer pressure, that gave them love that overflowed to, to a, a boy in, in their neighborhood that was transforming their neighborhood. Yuri's children had Jesus and the infinite joy of being a part of his story. And this is the precious inheritance that the Father gives you when you read his word like the letters of Paul and all scripture. If you will let him, God will use his word to teach you and remind you and correct you. And this father, this father will train you to be more and more like Jesus and more and more one who transforms your neighborhood as you become part of his story. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.